Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us here at Midweek. Well, another round of storms, severe weather, more flooding, more planting delays. Well, we've been talking about this for a long time, haven't we? We'll continue to talk about it. We're going to have DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson on with us later. I told Bryce I'd like to get some good news from him today. We'll see if he has any for us. Uh, we're going to talk with a farmer in uh, Illinois between the Quad Cities and Peoria. David Erickson will join us to give us an update on the conditions in his area. We'll also be talking today with the chief economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation, John Newton, get his thoughts on the uh, market facilitation payments and uh, prevent plant. Uh, we'll talk about disaster aid, number of things with John Newton from the American Farm Bureau Federation a little bit later on. But we start things off with Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. And let's see, we tracked Jerry down today in North Dakota, right, Jerry? That's right. I'm uh, I'm in Bismarck at the moment, but uh, uh, looking after my family farm near Wilton, 25 miles north of here, and uh, also, uh, you know, visiting friends and family. Uh, I've got to say that the countryside is beautiful. It's so green. Uh, the cows and the calves and the pastures look very happy with all the grass they're eating, but, the, but there are lots of fields where you can't even tell whether something's been planted. And the wheat seems to be up, but but no corn yet. Yeah, just like so many places, uh, the challenges of uh, spring of 19. And uh, I'm talking with a farmer today, talking about how late harvest may go this year for those fields that are planted. How late we may see a harvest later than usual when you have a when you have a planting that's uh, historically late. We're going to see the harvest late too. So that's go- it's going to just going to be an interesting year all year long. Well, let's talk about some things happening or not happening, Jerry. And uh, not happening is a disaster aid package because it's been blocked again from passing. Yes, uh, two Republican uh, House members uh, have blocked it, one last Friday and the other one yesterday. Uh, they don't like the idea of voting on it when, when the House is basically out of town. They only have what they call pro forma sessions, which means there's only a few members in the chamber. And so they have they have blocked it. Now the question is, when they come back, uh, will there be any problem in passing it? I would think not. Uh, and supposedly President Trump has uh, uh, agreed that he will sign this bill. Uh, but the fact that this is going on for so you got farmers trying to get to fields, but looking at the you know these wet conditions, they can't get out there and finish planting. They're trying to decide, do we take prevent plant? Uh, do we uh, just hang on and try to plant something for, you know, if nothing else, the market facilitation payments that they don't know what the county rate's going to be? Uh, will they get any disaster aid? Will they, the package still isn't even passed? I mean, uh, there's a, so much uncertainty, so many questions right now. Indeed, it really is a period of uncertainty. And I keep uh, try, thinking about, this issue that the you know that the, the market facilitation payments won't help farmers who are um, uh, who can't plant, uh, and I understand that because they wouldn't have a crop that that therefore 
theoretically could be exported to China. Uh, but I wonder how it'll be in the fall if there are people who are taking, uh, who took preventive planting payments in one case, and over there their neighbor uh, did everything in his power to plant, but the crop isn't very good, but he gets the market facilitation payment. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of conflict in the countryside in the months coming up. Yeah, I think so. Um, and meanwhile, on the trade front, things still don't look uh, very good with China. Uh, nothing seems to be happening there on a positive note anyway. What about USMCA? What are you hearing? If if that came up for a vote anytime soon, would it pass? I think it probably would. I think it probably would pass. Uh, the most interesting thing that's happening on the USMCA is that China, is that uh, Canada has introduced the bill to approve it. And I wonder if Canada will pass the bill before they go out for their election campaigns. They go out in late June, and they come, you know they won't come back till October. So uh, there's, I think there would be a question of whether they they might act on it now. Otherwise, if they were going to act in between, they'd have to come back in a special session. So I do view the fact that, that Canada has uh, agreed to this, also that the steel and aluminum tariffs have been removed, and, and uh, uh, tariffs on U.S. farm products have been removed in both Mexico and in Canada. I view all of these as, um, as positive steps. Uh, you know, we'll just have to see what happens now when Congress comes back as far as the, uh, where it goes with, uh, uh, with the U.S., and we should point out, while most of agriculture is very much supportive of getting USMCA passed, there is a, a segment that has concerns. A University of Georgia study says USMCA would pose a high risk of substantial harm to U.S. fruit and vegetable growers, not protecting them from continued competition from Mexico. Uh, Secretary Purdue has uh, defended USMCA while acknowledging that uh, uh, they didn't get all the improvements they wanted for areas like seasonal fruits and vegetables, but said USMCA is not a step backward. So there, there are some some of those concerns out there. We should point out. Yes, the, yes, and that shows that there are concerns among farmers too, not just among the uh, labor unions and the Democrats who are worried about the enforcement rules. I do think that the um, uh, amount of fruits and vegetables that are damaged by this uh, is not a very high percentage of, U, of, o, all, of overall U.S. agriculture, but it does matter in particularly in Georgia and in Florida. And you wonder how the members from those states would, uh, would vote if it actually comes up for a vote. Uh, I just I just don't know uh, how 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 deeply concerned they are, and of course there would be other farmers in those states that would be saying vote for it because we will export to uh, to Mexico and to Canada. Right. Now, I mentioned uh, the trade situation still not looking good uh, with China. Uh, things are pretty tense between the U.S. and the EU as well. Yes. Now the EU uh, officials are saying that they expect the uh, United States to put tariffs on, on European farm products, which uh, I would assume would be basically wine and cheese. Those are the two biggest exports. Uh, uh, although, you you know, there there's also a lot of dairy exports, particularly butter, uh, and would raise the, uh, the price of all those things in, uh, in the United States. That might please some American farmers. 
but it creates uh, overall uh, overall tension. All right, Jerry, thanks for being with us. Enjoy North Dakota. Thank you. Maybe we'll speak next week when Congress will be back in session and uh, more will be happening. Okay. Thanks a lot. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Up next, the weather with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Will he have any good news for us? We'll find out coming up next here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. So we just talked with Nick Giordano with the National Pork Producers Council. Obviously, they are ecstatic that the uh, metal tariffs on Canada and Mexico have been lifted. We can talk about that as well with Colin Woodall for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Colin, this was looked at as a, a must-have to get USMCA moving forward, and I know you at NCBA are happy to have uh, those tariffs lifted. We're extremely happy to see these tariffs lifted. Now, we're in a little bit different shape from our friends in the pork industry because they were really getting hammered with the tariffs. But we were also, though, however, really pushing to try to get these tariffs taken down because we knew if we wanted to have a chance of getting a vote on USMCA, the tariffs were going to have to be a part of this deal. So the fact that this is done uh, earlier is, I think, going to be overall very beneficial to uh, the process of getting a vote and finally passing USMCA and putting this chapter behind us. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Your diesels are your engines of prosperity, so they deserve the best treatment. And with FS Fuel and Lubricant, you'll give them the gold standard. Diesel X Gold High Performance Fuel plus Suprex Gold ESP Engine Oil. Formulated to work together, they'll keep your diesels running longer and stronger, from farming to construction to trucking. Visit FSGoldStandard.com or talk with your local FS Energy Specialist. FS, bringing you what's next. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. 
Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson is with us. Bryce, please tell me you have some good weather news for us. Oh, I thought you were talking about vegetation, Mike. Uh, I, <laughs> I have it on firsthand authority from my very own eyes that the butterweed crop in the eastern corn belt is looking great. It is, yeah. uh, I think, at, a, I think at uh, record levels for this year. Yeah, I, um, I think there is a, a big weed crop for sure, and... Uh, and we're we'd rather not have that. What are the chances of getting there, oh. getting in there and taking care of that situation and, and getting some corn and beans in the ground anytime soon? Yeah, my word, uh, the ground is drenched uh, for sure. Um, the the uh, prospects are not looking favorable for about another week. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, we still have this uh, this you know consistent weather pattern uh, that has uh, the. The cold, low-pressure trough out over the southwestern part of the country and in the Rockies. It, it was snowing again earlier this morning in parts of Wyoming, you know, from Cheyenne north to Laramie or to uh, Casper. And uh, in contrast, uh, the southeast uh, is just cooking. Uh, I mean, you, you talk you talk about hot chicken uh, down in, in uh, Tennessee and uh, then, and then uh, some of the hot sauce uh, in the Gulf Coast. Well, they've got hot, high-pressure that is uh, leading to drought conditions uh, there. And those two uh, large air mass contrasts are uh, fueling uh, this tremendous uh, storm outbreak that we've got. And it's going to stay with us probably for about another five or six days before things finally start to modify. The upper air pattern next week is uh, by the end of next week, I should say. Uh, Friday, June 7th, Saturday, June 8th is showing more of a seasonal trend on temperatures and a let-up in the uh, precipitation flow. So it will be better in that uh, second weekend of June, the weekend of uh, June 7th and 8th. But uh, obviously it's just incredibly late. And, you know, all of this delay that we've got, it's going to cast a shadow uh, over the entire growing season when you start putting on the kind of delay that uh, we are enduring. I put out on Twitter today uh, that the old saying that we've all heard over and over and it usually seems so out of date could be back in play this year, knee-high by the 4th of July. And I said that could apply to either corn or, in some places, water. Well, it certainly could. And, uh, and we, know that, uh, the, you know, we know that the water levels are, are incredibly high. Uh, name your river system from, uh, from central Nebraska east all the way to Ohio, and uh, it's either bank full or over, uh, and it's going to take a long time for that water to go down. So I don't, uh, I don't think that that's out of the question by any means. Meanwhile, of course, uh, some very severe weather. These tornadoes in Kansas, Ohio, and other places, I mean, uh, uh, just adding on to what has already been such a, a rough spring of 2019. Yeah, it, it, it really has been, and I think that that's where we're seeing the the real uh, the the real result of uh, this kind of uh, sharp contrast in temperatures from west to east that that uh, has the Midwest into the Southern Plains on the on the edge of those two uh, you know very different air bubbles across the continental U.S. because. Um, 
from uh, from Texas, uh, northern Texas, into southeastern Oklahoma, across Missouri, into uh, Illinois and uh, and parts of Iowa, and then uh, Indiana and Ohio. I mean that that is right that is right at that boundary edge, Mike, uh, where those uh, storms have uh, developed and the the intensity. Uh, just speaks to to how uh, the the very uh, the very dry and hot conditions in the southeast have started to try to forge their way a little bit farther to the west and to the north. But at the same time, uh, there's this uh, cold air pattern out over the southern Rockies and uh, the Four Corners, southwestern plains that has uh, been been pretty stubborn to uh, leave in its own right. And finally, next week there's going to be a little bit of modification to allow more of a seasonal uh, tendency. But uh, the, the, uh, the April or early May-like uh, pattern has uh, truly been with us for at least uh, two weeks longer than average when we think about uh, these conditions. But you're giving us some good news. You're saying in another week or so that things should at least uh, be improving. Now, what about the longer range uh, through the month of June? Because it looks like June's going to be a big, a busy planting month after all, probably, in, in some places. So uh, what do you see for June? Well, I think in June that, that, uh, that we are going to see more of a, a, a normal tendency on, uh, on temperatures, which is going to be, you know, uh, very much needed. I don't think that June is going to be a real uh, cool month overall, and uh, the precip pattern is going to settle down to be uh, more of a a seasonal type of uh, precipitation uh, pattern to offer uh, chances for, you know, this really late planting to develop. But I don't think that it's uh, by any means going to be a pattern that suddenly leads to all of the very wet areas drying out and you know just from that standpoint alone we know that there's going to be a lot of acreage that doesn't get planted this year just because of of uh, how how wet we are and and uh, how many how many acres are underwater or still um, dealing with uh, a lot of uh, flood damage from earlier this year not just uh, here in in Nebraska and in western Iowa but uh, in in many other areas now throughout uh, the central part of the country. Uh, that's been uh, a, a feature that, uh, in its own way, is going to cause uh, a lot of ground to just uh, not be able to get farmed this year. How do things look around you there in Omaha? They are they are difficult. Uh, it's it's pretty tough uh, to find uh, a lot of real extensive uh, areas where planting has been done. Uh, you get to the Iowa side of the Missouri River, I think, in western Iowa, things have been a little bit better. But in southwestern Iowa, it's uh, still flooded very badly. Uh, there were parts of uh, Interstate 29 between Omaha and Kansas City that were closed again by flooding over the next, over the last couple days. And uh, this this wet situation uh, has, has not uh, truly resolved itself yet. And, uh, in fact, Overnight, uh, uh, night before last, on Monday night into Tuesday, uh, there were parts of uh, eastern Nebraska into western Iowa that had uh, very heavy wind and hail damage. So, again, that's part of this uh, severe cycle that uh, we've gotten ourselves into. In January, you started telling us about uh, the possibility of a very delayed planting season, but 
is this even worse than you thought it might be when we were talking about it back in the winter? Oh yes, it it surpassed my thoughts, Mike. I, I thought that that uh, that planting was going to be delayed, but I didn't think that we would be uh, at the end of May uh, with uh, you know with a scenario uh, showing that uh, you know less than sixty percent of the corn crop is in the ground. I didn't think that we would be there, and uh, some of the emergence rates that we've got are le- you know less than ten percent in uh, some in some states across the midwest and you know only 20 percent emergence in illinois for goodness sake i i didn't think that we would be that slow i thought it would be more a thing of well planting uh planting is going to take into uh the the latter half of may to finish as opposed to being you know being done more uh in the the first half of may i but i I didn't think that we would be looking at these chronic delays uh, like we are uh, having to put up with right now. Well, it seems like it's been forever, but we've been saying, well, maybe next week, and I think we've had our hopes, maybe next week, maybe next week it clears up, and now we're about to turn the calendar to, to June, and now maybe next month we're saying, and you're, and at least you've given us a little hope that we've got some improvement coming. Yeah, yeah, there there is uh, going to be a better trend, and one one other thing, Mike, that we that I want to make sure I mention is that uh, this this uh, scenario has not been favorable at all for uh, for wheat either. Uh, we no. saw a five point drop in the wheat ratings uh, from last week, and a lot of that was due simply to how wet things have been in the Southern Plains. Right when uh, you know wheat wheat was uh, getting close to being ready to uh, run the combine through, so that's been a, a real big problem as well. All right, well, hopefully you'll have more good news for us next week, okay? We'll see how that pattern shapes up. You bet, Mike. Well, hope so. Thank you, DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Yeah, the numbers uh, really jump out at you. 58% of the corn crop planted nationally compared to a 90% five-year average. Only 29% of the soybeans planted, 66% the five-year average. And some of those state numbers really jump out. On corn, Illinois, only 35% planted. Indiana and Ohio, only, only 22% planted on corn. All right, we're going to talk about a number of things with the chief economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation, John Newton. Next here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, U.S. agriculture celebrates the lifting of metal tariffs against Mexico and Canada. That includes the U.S. dairy industry, part of that celebration. Joining us now is Shauna Morris, Vice President, Trade Policy for the National Milk Producers Federation. Tell us the impact of those tariffs on U.S. dairy exports. And now that they are are lifted, give us an idea of what that now means moving forward for U.S. dairy producers. We're absolutely elated that we finally have a resolution on this issue. The Mexican retaliatory tariffs on our cheese exports have been a heavy hang, particularly in terms of companies' certainty with their most important export market in Mexico and the resulting flowback to farmers that have been forced to bear the brunt of 20 to 25 percent retaliatory tariffs on those products over the last uh, several months here since last summer. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Corn futures losing an early rally on this Wednesday. There's some talk among traders about the market being 
overbought. July corn skyrocketed to an 11-month high on Tuesday. The July contract may be looking a little overbought. 14-day relative strength index at 78%. An estimated 58% of U.S. corn was planted as of Sunday. That's the slowest progress since at least 1980. In Illinois, only 35% of the corn crop planted. 22 in Indiana and Ohio. South Dakota, only 25% planted. On soybeans, South Dakota, 6% planted. Ohio and Indiana, 11%, 14% in Illinois. On today's radar, we see rains in southeastern South Dakota, southern Minnesota, moderate rain in southeast Missouri, southern Illinois, and southern Ohio. An hour into the day, July soybeans up 15 and a half cents, 871 and a half. November, 897 and a half, up 15. July corn down a penny and a fraction at 418 and a half. December at 436, down three quarters of a cent. Chicago wheat July down six and a half at 498 and a quarter. Minneapolis spring wheat July down 10 and a quarter at 547 and a quarter. Kansas City July down three and a half, 457 and a quarter. Livestock at the Merck and live cattle were a dime to 60 cents lower. August live cattle 107.17 down 60. August feeder cattle down 45 at 141.77. July lean hogs down 25 at 85.45. On Wall Street, the Dow down 163 points. S&P down 14. July crude oil in New York down $1.40. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room, weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for Four Seasons Now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And joining us now is the Chief Economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation, John Newton. John, thanks for being with us. Uh, can you believe these uh, numbers we're seeing on the on the lack of planting progress? They're just they're staggering. It's it, this has turned into be you know a very uh, dire situation. Uh, you know, fifty eight percent planted on corn, twenty nine percent planted on soybeans. We've got nearly a hundred million acres of corn and soybeans. Uh, left to put in the ground if we're going to reach the uh, prospective planning numbers. This is, uh, you, you can see it in the futures market prices. Corn's now up over over 450. Soybeans have shot up uh, over nine. Uh, this is a very very real situation. A lot of uncertainty out there on on when and if Mother Nature is even going to cooperate with growers. Well, 
there's no doubt going to be more acres planted here as we go into June, but it isn't it becoming unrealistic to think that not only will not all, I mean, it's, it's unrealistic to think all those acres are going to get planted, and now it's starting to get unrealistic to think even in some cases a majority of those acres that are still to be planted will get done. I think a lot of folks are, are, are looking at the, the options of, of prevent plant, you know, it's certainly it's becoming an economic issue as well because if the weather does cooperate and a grower is able to get out into the field, uh, the prices, especially on corn, would certainly suggest that you try to get a crop uh, in the ground. But last time we had prevent plant acres, I think around 2013, we saw about 6 million acres of prevent plant for corn and soybeans. I think we're likely to top that this year. I think that the question in the industry, however, is, you know, how, how many acres – uh, could we potentially lose to prevent plant? Uh, the announcement on trade aid requiring plantings in 2019, I think, further uh, complicated the the, the, the math and uh, that growers have to do to figure out what to do right now. Yeah, what did you think of that? I mean, USDA obviously uh, was trying to make sure they didn't influence planting decisions, uh, but in a way they just kind of, muddied the water that we've already got here uh in that now you're you're faced with yet another decision here do you try to get something in uh to qualify for a payment that you don't even know yet what the that rate's going to be for your county or do you go prevent plan i mean there are just so many uh huge questions that uh, farmers are facing well i think you know one of the first things to acknowledge is, is that you know our members continue to stand alongside the administration in their efforts to improve trade uh, in agriculture and across the broader U.S. economy. And we appreciate the trade assistance packages in 2018 and the one that was recently announced. But uh, but I think you're exactly right. The intention was not to distort planning decisions, but then by requiring planting in 2019, combine that with the historically slow pace of planting that we're currently experiencing, it's created some, some uncertainty. Uh, I think I would argue that that prevent plants should be eligible for market facilitation program payments uh, by the simple fact that uh, crop insurance prices, the spring price that we saw this year on soybeans, was influenced by the trade war. And as a result, uh, the prevented plant payment is influenced by the trade war. So I think prevent plants should be eligible for some sort of additional compensation, whether that comes from the trade package or the disaster package that that we hope to pass uh, soon in the House. Uh, remains to be seen, but you know there's there's certainly a lot of uncertainty out there. You think about folks that uh, maybe had ground that was fallow in 2018 and were raising silage or forage. You know we need to make sure those are included as well. So we've gotten more questions from our members following the announcement uh, than leading up to it, just trying to figure out how it's all going to work. And many of uh, and this isn't just. Uh hindsight or second guessing they were saying at the time like senator grassley and uh congressman peterson chairman of the house ag committee saying usda should have waited before making the announcement you're not going to be making payments till july or august anyway so why not wait a little longer what what are your thoughts on the timing of it well hindsight is is 2020 i think uh in in this case when the big boss says we're going to do something uh, and, and directs the administration to do it, that's that's what we saw happen. I think they did uh, a bang-up job to try to not influence planning decisions. Uh, certainly the the rumors of, 
a $2 per bushel payment on beans and $0.63 cents on wheat uh, would have influenced planting decisions this year, uh, certainly. So I think by by not announcing any payment rates, uh, you know, they've, they've muddied the water, so to speak. There's uncertainty on what a uh, particular county is going to get, uh, but, but they did the best they could uh, in, in announcing these trade payments. Do you like the formula, even though we don't know that county rate? The formula, do you like this one better than the, the, the uh, other round of payments? You know, I think I think our members are appreciative of, of both of them. Uh, I think it remains to be seen. We're going to have to do some analysis once we see what, what this version uh, looks like. But I think one thing to keep in mind, and this is something we learned uh, from the Farm Bill, is that when they announce these payment rates at the county level, uh, there needs to be some consideration given to county to county disparities in trade aid payments. Uh, if, if a grower across the street gets uh, you know a hundred dollar an acre payment uh, and you get fifty dollar an acre payment, that that impacts uh, the competitive position of these farmers. So we saw that in Art County, uh, there were efforts to try to smooth that over. So I think that should be something they consider here as well. Yeah, I think uh, the criticism or the critiquing of this. Uh of this round, this 2.0 on the farm, uh, the trade aid payments, I think is yet to come. I think when we get those details and the, after it all kind of settles out, then we're going to see uh, some of those situations that you just described probably take place. We're talking with John Newton, chief economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. John, uh, always uh, talk to you about the, the dairy issues. we got the, all these dairy programs, uh, assistance programs available uh, we're getting close to sign up uh, here in June for uh, another one. Uh, tell us uh, what you're hearing among producers as far as uh, their interest level, and also are they confused by these? Are they still sorting through them, you think? What's going on? Well, I think USDA, you know, when they updated the decision tool for the new DMC coverage program, uh, that certainly helped growers to, to or dairy farmers to start to think about uh, the benefits of, of participating in the Title I program for the Farm Bill. Uh, but the point is the math is, is, is pretty clear on DMC uh, to use the 950 coverage option on your first 5 million pounds of milk. That's, that's clear. It pays for itself already in 2019. It's going to be made retroactively. So I think that's important. And then I think the other programs that are available, you know, prices are moving up. And, and as prices move up, there becomes an opportunity to, to put a floor in at, at different points along the line. And that's one thing that, that DRP, Dairy Revenue Protection, allows you to do is to, to put in a floor. You don't have to buy it on all of your milk. You can buy it on a portion of your milk so that as prices increase, you have an opportunity to try to protect uh, some of that higher value that you're seeing out of the marketplace. The excitement on Dairy RP, uh, you know, we have more than 25 billion pounds of milk purchased under the program indemnities for the first quarter 2019 have already started to go out uh so far you know at least the early claims process more than four million dollars uh paid out from drp for the first quarter 19 so the excitement's there uh, we continue to do education and outreach for for folks our states are real engaged uh, as well educating their members you know john it just struck me all we've talked nothing but uh aid packages, assistance packages, uh, you know, different things like that to help. Bottom line is, unless we get things going on trade, none of these things are going to be, you know, this, uh, as good, right? I mean, uh, trade is what we're going to need to get things back and moving forward. Well, you know, we were just running some back-of-the-envelope numbers 
here on on corn and soybean balance sheets. And we were talking earlier about prevent plant. You know, depending on the magnitude of prevent plant on corn this year and, and what kind of yield drag we ultimately see, uh, we could erode our ending stocks next year in a, in a big hurry and see a higher higher corn price. Uh, on soybeans, you know, the the outlook is is not as optimistic unless we restore normal trade relations. But even then. Uh, you've got big crops coming out of South America. You've got reduced demand due to African swine fever in China. So I think it's going to take some time to unwind these soybean stocks that we have here in the U.S. We're, we're approaching a billion bushel soybean carryout this year. The next WASDE in, in you know June 12th or so, I, I'm pretty sure they're going to have to revise it to over a billion bushels in soybean carryout. Uh, if we plant 85, 86 million acres of soybeans this year, that number is also... Uh, up in the air due to prevent plant, but if we, you know, see a, a 80 plus million acres of soybeans and no resolution on trade, it's going to take us years to dig out under these these soybean stocks. Sounds like you're setting up a scenario for next year, a lot of corn acres. You know that that you know I think growers have an opportunity to respond to market signals. If we if we erode, you know, our soy or corn stocks and we plant more corn acres in in 2020 uh, and take you know 10 million acres out of soybeans i think we could we could readjust our equilibrium in a hurry get our get our ending stocks back to normal levels you know that's that's really what we needed this year is probably you know 10 10 million acres to come out of the soybeans uh in order to to get the ending stocks back down towards normal levels but as we've been reminded this year that's all weather permitting right yeah i think you know, now more than ever, uh, we're, we're starting to see the, the how Mother Nature can be and how she can impact agriculture. We have members in North Carolina who had 2,000-year floods uh, in the span of two years. Uh, th- that's why this disaster package is so critical to, to help those folks in the south that, that had hurricanes or volcanoes, et cetera. Yep. So uh, very, very important. Still waiting for that to pass as well. All right, John, as always, good to talk with you. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. John Newton, Chief Economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. All right, we're going to get a a report from um, David Erickson, who farms between the Quad Cities and Peoria, Illinois, an area hard hit by the weather this spring. We'll talk with him next here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Do you need a car? been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538. 
immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything, editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Hi, I'm Greg Peterson of the Peterson Farm Brothers. If you've seen our videos, you know we're proud to be farmers. Farming can be dangerous. Never assume location or depth of underground utilities or pipelines. Before you start any work on your farm, call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com to have underground lines located. It only takes a minute and can save your life. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. Hi, I'm George Foreman. Do you have an idea for a new product or invention? People ask me all the time, George, how do I get my idea in front of companies? How do I get a patent? What do I do next? Do you have the same questions? I'll tell you like I'll tell them all. Call my friends at InventHelp. To get your free inventor's information, call one 800 352 that's 1-800-352-0432. I believe every inventor deserves the opportunity to step into the ring and take their best shot. Put InventHelp in your corner. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to really cook. First, you can't tell it's done by how it looks. Use a food thermometer. Then, always stir, rotate the dish, and cover food when microwaving to prevent cold spots where bacteria can survive. Fast cooking should still be safe cooking. And bring sauces, soups, and gravies to a rolling boil when reheating. Even for the most experienced cooks, the improper heating and preparation of food means bacteria can survive. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Want to reduce your risk of heart disease, diabetes, and stroke? Simple. Eat right. This is registered dietitian nutritionist Melissa Dobbins. A healthy diet can mean a healthier you. So eat a variety of proteins each week. Seafood, lean meat, poultry, beans, and nuts. Fill half your plate with fruits and vegetables at every meal. Choose foods that are lower in calories, fat, and sodium. Limit your alcohol and maintain a healthy weight. Let a registered dietitian nutritionist help you achieve your goals. Find one near you at eatright.org. 
You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. So the state of Illinois has 35% of the corn crop planted, 14% of their bean crop planted. Those numbers are way, way down from where Illinois farmers are usually at at this time of year. Let's talk with one Illinois farmer between the Quad Cities and Peoria. David Erickson joins us. David, thanks for being with us. How much do you have done? Morning, Mike. Um, I'm about uh, 95% plus on corn. Um, so it feels fortunate there, and, and most of that corn is up, um, but no soybeans planted. And I think probably in our area, there's everything from people done with corn and some started on soybeans to, uh, you know, some maybe um, uh, not pr- probably closer to those uh, state averages that you're talking about. A lot of rain and some severe weather has moved through your area in the last few days. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, how much you've had and uh, what your forecast look like. Yeah, so uh, even uh, Friday night, early Saturday morning, we had some uh, heavy wind here. In fact, I actually have an insurance uh, claims adjuster here looking at the roof on our farm office um, uh, where some damage was done. The rain has been... For the most part, Mike, we've not gotten big rains, although last night, depending on where you're at here in Knox County in Illinois, we're uh, you know, somewhere between, uh, I'd say, 1.6 and 2.5 inches uh, yesterday and last night. Um, so that was a pretty big one. That, that got things back up again. Our forecast is for a little bit drier weather. In, in today's lingo, that means... Uh, just uh, uh, scattered showers of, uh, you know, somewhere between two tenths and half an inch. Um, so we're wet. We're as wet now as we've been at any time this spring. And uh, we're probably looking at a week's worth of drying uh, to get back into the fields, I would guess. Yeah, we've been, you know, and I'm in west central Illinois, and, and we had some farmers able to work some yesterday. You get a little window, and you start, they're out there looking is there a field we can get to? Is there a field that we right. can get into? And you just you kind of uh, pick and choose and, and get a little here, a little there. But as you said, uh, another round of rain last night, that slows things down again. Uh, I've even heard of some corn that's up. There's been some damage to it with the wind and uh, some of the things that's hit it. Have you had seen any problems there? Not yet, but I do believe that there was some hail in the area um, with those weekend storms. Uh, but not, you know, no noticeable uh, widespread hail damage on crops. The corn and, and soybeans that are up are certainly small enough that they could withstand some of that. Uh, some of those corn, I mean, the corn that's up, and, and all of ours that's planted is up. Um, but, I mean, it looks pretty good, but it's kind of going backwards here with uh, soil conditions being saturated in, in areas that uh, need more drainage and, and probably... <laughs> They need more drainage. Everything needs more drainage when you have these sorts of uh, mm-hmm. weather events. What are you hearing as far as planting decisions on some of those unplanted acres? Are they looking at prevent plant in your area? Or are they going to try to get something in, either 
because you know that's what you want to do and maybe mm-hmm. rising prices are more of an incentive or or the the trade aid payments you got to get something planted to, as you wait to see what your county rate's going to be all these different factors at play what are you hearing from farmers I'd say thus far, Mike, people are still optimistic they're going to get a chance to get to plant their um, intended crop on fields yet. Um, again, we're in an area that we're fortunate enough. we got quite a bit planted the week following Easter, so that April 22nd through the 26th time frame, and then again, uh, oh, May 15th and 16th. So I think to this point, people are still uh, hoping to plant their intended crop, but there is certainly a lot of talk about prevented planting, um, maybe not a, uh, in a whole field basis, but, um, you know, parts of fields that may not yet planted, and certainly any low-lying, um, you know, river bottom, creek bottom ground is going to be, it's going to be difficult. I would imagine that's where, in our area, we'll see the, the biggest uh, impact on prevented planting. And, of course, a, a big factor there, too, is also, is it a field where you've already put some inputs on? Do you have an investment already yep. on it for this year's crop, right? That's right. And, you know, we were fortunate, I guess, because we were able to get some of that earlier done, you know, nitrogen uh, chemicals on in some cases uh, that were crop-specific, so, you know, maybe only for corn and wouldn't work for soybean. Uh, but right now, you know, that that probably is impacting some decisions as to what they do uh, going forward. Um, so, yeah, um, even I, I think that's a story that's difficult to describe to those who aren't fully aware of, of what this prevented planting means. The further, you, the closer you were to actually planting the crop, uh, the less money you're going to have uh to, you know, to recover those costs because you're going to have a lot of out-of-pocket costs, Mike, as you know, that uh, are going to be eaten up pretty quickly by any uh, insurance uh, payout that you might get. Are there some prevent plant meetings going on in your area? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, uh, uh, there's meetings, and, of course, in today's day and age, there's a lot of, uh, of uh, video, Skype, mm-hmm. uh, those sorts of meetings that a guy can go to is that listened to one last week, actually was listening to one this morning, and I'm going to attend one tomorrow. Not that the message is different, but I just think uh, I'd encourage producers to get the most information about it that they can, uh, both from not only from the insurance uh, side of it, but also from the agronomic side. You know, what's our possibility for still raising some pretty good crops? Yeah, some tough decisions yet to make, and uh, have you thought about how late you may be harvesting this year? You know, I have, but I remind myself that the weather is more important after you plant the crop and determining when you're going to harvest it than it is before you plant it. So, you know, I'm going to look at the bright side yet, Mike. I'm going to say uh, even if we go, uh, you know, well into June planting, maybe we'll have a, uh, a warm, relatively dry summer. Uh, with just timely rains and a warm fall that has a long finish to it. How's that? You keep keep thinking positive. All right. Thanks, David. (laughs) That's right. All right. Thank you, Mike. Illinois farmer David Erickson on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world.